This is Dean Medina, and you are listening to the ninth episode of the Can You Sub Again? You Can Make a Difference as a Substitute Teacher podcast. This week, I was very encouraged to interview Christopher McClung. Chris is a curriculum developer for career and technical education, also known as CTE. He has taught in the classroom, trained other teachers, led workshops, and most importantly, he has cared for students deeply for over two decades. In addition, I have known Chris since 1998 when we both were working with a very healthy nonprofit organization whose middle school department comprised of about 150 students per week. We planned and led weekly events, summer events such as camps, conferences, and retreats, and did a lot of one-on-one mentoring. We also did a lot of life together, including travel from Maui to New Jersey with a few stops in between. Chris is a family man who I have known to have a very strong work ethic, outside-of-the-box creativity, and he is a man of integrity. In addition to his experience in education, one of the reasons I wanted Chris to be a guest on this podcast for Substitute Teachers is because in all of our years together, I can't remember one conversation where either one of us said, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a teacher or I'm thinking about a full-time career in public school education. This is interesting and noteworthy since I know there are many substitutes or potential substitutes who are unsure they want to pursue a full-time career in education. Hopefully hearing at least part of Chris's story will help some of you who may be considering such a calling but are still not sure. And now I hope you enjoy this week's podcast, an interview with Christopher McClung, CTE curriculum developer. So Chris, in my book, as well as previous episodes, I've mentioned kind of my journey from nonprofit to substitute teacher to full-time teacher. Take some time to introduce yourself, maybe a shout out to your lovely wife and children, and then kind of take us to the bridge you found yourself on toward education. Well, first, I wanted to say thank you for having me on here. Um, it's an absolute privilege to to do this and to be doing this with you. Um, I would say to kind of recap just, you know, how I got into education like you, it was an absolute uh, fluke. I was the person who teachers would think were, were not ever going to be in education. And that's a story that that I'm privileged to share with kids and students. Um, when I was in third grade, my teacher said I was a con artist. When I was in fourth grade, I sat out every single recess because I was a terrible student in class. And all the way through until even in high school, um, I didn't have the, I had a passion for creative, for arts. I had a passion for music, but I was terrible at English and math, you know, and all those core, com- those core classes. And so because of that, I actually didn't graduate high school on time. I sang at my high school graduation. And then after I sang, I stepped down into the audience to watch the rest of my friends graduate. And it wasn't until almost a year later that my dad finally forced me to go to the Redlands Adult School 
and finish my high school diploma because I had like two classes I had to I had to do before I finished. Okay. So finally I did it, got my got my high school diploma, went back to high school, we went back to my favorite teacher and said, Hey, look, I finished high school. And he says, You know, I'm really glad that you did that. I'm really proud of you that you got it done. Is I just wish you would have done it sooner because you'd missed out on so many great opportunities mm-hmm. because of it. And then I struggled through education for years. Um, and I remember telling um, a person that you and I both love, uh, Pastor Rob Zinn, telling him like, yeah, I'm really interested in music and I love, you know, doing what I do. And I said, but I hate school. And he looked at me and just smiled and he's like, well, it's like, I hate to tell you, but you're going to have to do school if you want to go anywhere. And I was like, man, that's a bummer. I don't like school. <laughs> so I struggled even in school through college. Um, couple, I couple times had some terrible grades and had to beg for forgiveness um, to get accepted back into um, Valley College because my grades were so terrible. But finally, somewhere along the line, a light bulb's flicker came on. And I think the main struggle as to why I struggled so long is I didn't have a purpose and I didn't have a goal as to why I was going to school. I didn't have my why. And when I started my career in education, I was actually an office person and I was hired to do like clerical stuff and I was hired just, I just wanted something permanent and full time. And after I did clerical work, I was able to um, find the Culture and Residence Union Kaipa ROP. And what they were looking for was they were looking for somebody who could manage their promotions. And I had experience in working at a newspaper at the time, um, had a little bit of education, um, communication uh classes and I had a great talent for doing graphic design all that kind of stuff so I was able to go in and interview with them and said you know here's some of my graphic portfolio I showed them Twiggy I don't know if you remember that but it was a cartoon character we made for our children's program and so I showed them this little hand-drawn thing that I had um, and there was guys there that had like portfolios on in laptops they brought in I just had my little scratch pieces of paper um but I was able to get the job and I did that for a year. And I think over that year, I really got to be in education and kind of learning what it was really about and what it was. And so the great thing about CTE is we take people who have industry experience and what we do is we allow them to go into the classroom and teach that industry experience to students. And the goal is that students will be able to pursue a career in industry and if not pursue a career in industry, definitely get like an internship or even continue in schooling um, down that industry path. And so I worked for Cryerop for a year um, as their promotional person. And then they had an opening uh, for a brand new high school and they needed somebody who could teach animation. And at the time it was actually, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't animation. It was game design and web design. And I could do the web design, and I had played, as you said, a lot of video games um, (laughs) since I was like eight years old up until now. Um, And so because I knew that, and, and because I had the experience of being there for a year, they knew me as a person, didn't quite know me as an educator, but knew me as a person who loved being around kids, who loved the craft, who loved the arts. Mm -hmm. And so... With that, um, I interviewed to be a teacher because when you go to CTE, again, you just have to have three years of industry experience that's full-time and paid, mm-hmm. which I had, and I was able to apply. Um, again, I, there was a lot of people coming and, and applying for it. 
but they really took a risk on me um, because of my character above my um, my um, academics. Okay. And so because of that, I taught, I was able to get the position, became a teacher at Grand Terrace High School, working for the ROP, uh, did that for five years. And while I was doing that, um, my my wife, who you said to give a shout out to, <laughs> should have done that first thing. Um, my wife, Wendy, who is my support, love and adore her, um, she really encouraged me to to continue in my schooling um, and not just stop at being an ROP teacher. So while I was teaching, um, I went to school online at, at Cal Baptist University, was able to finish my communications degree, awesome. um, which is what I, I had a passion for. I said, you know, I really like communication. I like speaking and I like, you know, the marketing aspect of it. And so I did that. And then after I taught for five years, um, we were in need of a curriculum developer. Our superintendent, our assistant superintendent at the time approached me and said, you know, we're interested in you being a curriculum developer. We think you're creative. You think you've, you know, you've got some great ideas. And so I did that. And then after doing it for a year, I started my um, master's in administration. No, sorry, master's in education um, with an administration credential. And it's kind of how I found myself in education. That's awesome. And it's not 32 kids all in. It's eight. Many? It is eight. It is eight. So yeah. with my five <laughs> together, we got 13 yeah. kids, which is, uh, that, I guess we could start our own school with that. That's right. We do a lot of pizza and <laughs> we're crock pots. Yeah. Um, mac and cheese and uh, hot dogs, that kind of stuff. Best. Um, so I heard some things I didn't know and... So far, the bulk of listens from um, this podcast really have been from California. And so we're using the letters CTE and CryRop. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I think there may be some people out there uh, who are not familiar with that. And you you already did a little bit of kind of compare and contrast with maybe the traditional public school Mm -hmm. model. But so so what are those letters, those CTE? And then is there anything more you would add if people are listening and they're going... Okay, so what's the difference between CTE and traditional public school model? You know, kind of what would you say there? So I'll start with um, the word ROP. And what ROP, which is probably more familiar to most listeners, is ROP stands for Regional Occupational Program. And then um, we changed the acronym several years ago to CTE, which stands for Career Technical Education. And what all that means is these are the courses that students can take, and and adult students as well, Mm -hmm. is these are courses, again, that somebody can take, and the goal is to try to pursue some sort of career within that industry. And so in in the ROP that I work for specifically, we have everything from animation and game design instructors. We have medical instructors. We have construction instructors. We do welding. Um, We just have a large gamut of courses that we offer at all of the high schools. And so the goal is that a student, let's say a student wants to get into being an auto technician, um, they can actually take our course that's about three years long. They can start it as even a freshman. And by the time they're done um, with their soft, oh, I'm sorry, with their junior or even senior year, they have certification with all these different, they're like AC Delco certifications okay. to be an actual auto technician. And, and the goal is that they can go and get a job right out of high school doing that. 
in some courses, so my wife is one of our teachers, she teaches medical um, terminology, she teaches mental health, and her students, not only do they take their her classes, they also are able to do summer internships. So her kids who finished um, her class this last year over the summer, they did an internship at the Department of Behavioral Health, awesome. um, and that way they get real world actual industry experience of sure. doing it. So these programs are created so that students um, unlike our story to where we graduated high school and then try to figure out what to do after that, mm -hmm. these students get a chance to actually experience some of that real world, real world stuff while they're in high school. And then our classes also, we, we discussed earlier, they have college credits um, for most of them and that transfers. And um, the last acronym you asked about, which is CRYROP, stands for the Colton Redlands Ukaipa ROP. Um, which is Colton Redlands UCAP Regional Occupational Program. We just thought CryRop sounds better than Cry CTE <laughs> because we don't want to be like a bunch of complainers. Yeah. So that's what those acronyms mean. Awesome, awesome. And even as I was listening to that, I was thinking, yeah, we do get out of high school and a lot of times we're going to literally spend money Mm -hmm. to work towards something and then find out we don't like that thing exactly so as a high schooler you're getting that experience and maybe even figuring out i love this or i don't love this at all exactly but I didn't come out of my pocket for it and so. we get a lot of students like that who they'll take they've wanted to be a nurse their entire lives or they thought they wanted to be a nurse then they get into our nursing program we actually again in the summer we stick them in a hospital they do um, hours every week at a hospital and they realize i don't like the medical field that's, and we've saved them thousands of dollars from doing that. That's wisdom right there. That's mm -hmm. wisdom. All right. So um, I would go on to this this next question. And again, if there's a little overlap, you know, feel free to ignore. But what what kind of advice would you have for any substitute teachers, potential substitute teachers, uh, even you know maybe someone working on their undergrad, thinking about a career in education? how might they approach a career in CTE? I think the, you know, traditional public school model is, well, hey, you get your bachelor's, then you get the teaching credential right. in either multi-subject or single subject. Um, then you student teach, you know, you're teaching a semester for free, etc. Um, so, so maybe if someone said, you know, this, this sounds more like the path I, I'd like to pursue. So I'd like to teach, but the other path doesn't suit my uh, learning style or whatever. Uh, uh, kind of what would they need to do? So there are, in the, California, there are 12 industry sectors that cover the gamut of CTE. Um, medical, I, I'm under the arts and media sector, and there's also um, business and uh ICT and, and then, you know, there's 12 sectors and you can you can find them on the state website. But first, you have to have at least three years experience in some sort of um, industry sector. Okay. Now, that doesn't have to be in anything that you've done it for 15 years. You know, you've been a general manager of construction or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, we ha we actually have a lot of our teachers end up coming from retail. We several of our teachers, in fact, our education director started as a retail person she was a retail uh, she was a store manager of a Claire's and then we took her from there and she got into teaching small business at Bloomington High School and then out of um, teaching small business um, she then grew into you know being a manager 
and then now she's our director of education services. Okay. Um, same thing with our former uh, assistant superintendent, who's now one of the large program managers of San Bernardino County. She started as a business teacher, same thing. She taught retail, went into business, um, got into education, and now she's like up in like being the assistant soup of San Bernardino County. And wow. so all of that comes stems from CTE. So if somebody wants to get into CTE, they first need to look at and see like what um, industry experience do they have? And, and it just has to be full time. It does have to be paid, um, but it could be just something on the side. It doesn't have to be, you know, that you went to college for four, four or five years and, you know, studied something. You can just see what, what experience you have. Okay. And then how does the having a minimum of a bachelor's uh, come into play or X amount of, um, I, I guess I would say, is there bits of induction, you know, those kind of traditional okay. credential clearance steps? Right. So we, we have what's called TIP, which stands for the Teacher Induction Program. And what we do is we take somebody who has industry experience, again, it has to be at least three years, we see if there is an availability for them to teach within the, on a campus and we put them in the classroom and they have two years to clear their designated subjects credential. And so what I did for myself is um, I was hired on a Friday, school started on the next Monday, and then I had two years to get my credential done and, and at that I'm sorry to interrupt but at that point you you had not even had your black your bachelor's yet correct? no I did not have a bachelor's at that point I didn't have anything so you had a you had a high school classroom that was Mr. McClung's classroom correct short of a bachelor's degree yes at that point. and I remember this because I remember texting you and telling you I'm in my class and you said what <laughs> and you wanted to come see it for yourself and it was awesome and you walked in it was like <laughs> dude, this is a real classroom. <laughs> like, yeah, man. And I was also doing a play at Lifehouse Theater with an actor who was a, a teacher at your uh -huh. school and knew you. Yeah. And, and so I got the teacher that I knew and both teachers that I knew working at the same high school. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was shocking to me. I'm going, wait, what do you mean you're at a high school in a classroom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I only had a high school diploma at the time. Um, but again, I had that industry experience. And then with that, they were able to put me in the class. And as I, as I, so within that two years, I had to attend a monthly meeting um, for all of our teachers. Again, we call it TIP, Teacher Induction Program. Mm -hmm. And that was for two years, every month. But while I did that, I also had to do um classes to finish my designated subjects credential i personally did it online through um uc san diego okay. and so and it lasted the classes probably lasted about a year um, and then once i finished those classes then i had to take all of my um, information and all of my evidence and mail that up to the state and then in return the state gave me a designated subjects credential which like every other teacher i just have to renew every couple of years so here's how i'm interpreting it and and, and i think it would be um a good paraphrase and if it's if it's wrong correct it okay but it sounds like um if you're a person who has knowledge you've been in in this career mm -hmm. uh, path of three years or something and then you're committed to um the education part of things and you you 
you pass that clearance, you're enrolled in those classes, mm -hmm. they see you making the stride, they're not going to put up the same kind of walls and barriers uh, that maybe the traditional route might because they know kids need this. You know, not all kids go right. down the same path. So what I'm hearing is, man, they're, they're not being lazy and saying, well, hey, anybody can come teach if you just, you know, have... No, it sounds like what they're doing is they have a model that's thinking outside the box. Correct. Rather than hampering people who do... Because even as a substitute teacher, you cannot sub until you have your bachelor's uh, in California until you Correct. pass the CBEST, you know, apply for your emergency credential, that, that your 30-day credential, that kind of stuff. Um, so that, that just sounds neat in terms of them thinking outside the box. Because when I did visit that classroom... Your classroom was one of the best um, put together things intentional on the walls. You know, there weren't things on the walls just to be on the walls. You had a very appealing, comfortable classroom to engage students. I knew you monitored your class, roamed around. I, I got the sense in every way that students looked forward to coming to Mr. McClellan's class again minus the bachelor's degree right so right and so and kind of attest to that um there there is a stigma that like well you know those are easy classes and they're not doing a whole you know a lot of hard stuff um what i love about our our program is that we have we model exactly what industry does mm -hmm. so for example um we have i was a game design teacher we have game design teachers that are in the classroom now and they're teaching exactly what EA is using and they're teaching exactly what like Activision is using and they do animation as well. And we're using the same software, it's Unity, that Pixar is using to create their movies. Our kids are learning that right now. Okay. And every one of our game design teachers has like a 3D printer in their room. Um, they have multiple Oculus um, riffs in their classroom and the kids are learning how to make virtual reality games. And so they... We, we work really hard to ensure that whatever we're teaching our kids is exactly what they would be learning in that industry. And the way we do that is we have advisories once a year, which you came mm -hmm. and was a part of one of them for a class that I wrote. And we every year we asked industry professionals. I brought in a guy from Disney um, who's a friend of my wife's and I, and I showed him our class. I said, are we teaching what they need to be learning to work for you at Disney? And then he goes through and says, yeah, this is great. This needs to be changed. And we do that every year with all of our classes. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome. cool. Yeah, I, I did enjoy um, that advisory. I felt a little uh, over in over my head. I think there was like um, some administrators there, other yeah. teachers that have been teaching for the long haul. So um, I guess uh, to bring CTE full circle is what would you say some of the pro con dynamics would be and, and I'm careful how I phrase this but sure. about the quote unquote kind of students an educator in CTE can anticipate working with so I, I guess I'm saying like a, a kid that is um, not necessarily a good kid a bad kid this is mm -hmm. not so much a demographics question but if someone has an idea of what it's like working with third graders, whereas another teacher may want to teach juniors, you know, junior biology or something. Mm -hmm. um, I've also met uh, people who enjoy working with credit, credit recovery students right. um, at continuation schools. In fact, I know a vice principal who left being a vice principal because she wanted to be a teacher at a, a continuation high school. Mm -hmm. Another who wants to work at a Christian school and so, so on. So is there a distinction 
as far as who CTE kids are? I wouldn't say that there's a distinction. Um, I would, again, kind of going back, there has been this stigma for years on end where like, well, if you're not good, if the kids aren't, aren't going to go to college, those are the kids are going to go to ROP. That's always been the either. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not going to get a bachelor's, then you're going to become the auto mechanic. And so that's kind of what we've, we've had an uphill battle of working with and all of our courses, like I said, they're UC approved, they're UC A through G approved. Mm -hmm. Um, They're articulated with multiple colleges. And so I don't say that there is a certain kind of kid that fits in our program. I think every kid fits in our program because every kid wants to get some sort of career, some sort of industry. Um, everybody in this world has or needs a job. And so we are able to cover everything. And what we do in high schools now is we have pathways. And so a lot of times a kid may say, this is what I want to do as a career. And they'll line them within our pathway um, of being in our courses. But going back to like what you said, um, is that relevant to like a third grader? Is it relevant to anybody that's not in high school? It absolutely is. Um, we right now are starting to work at the junior high level. We have um, what's called career readiness specialists, and they basically they start talking to kids about about high school. But what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to create these what we're calling CTE labs at the junior high level, to where a kid can come in and they're in this class for a year, but let's say for two weeks they learn about doing movie editing and then the next two weeks they learn about the medical stuff you know doing syringes or whatnot and then the next two weeks they learn about how to do a, an oil change on a car and 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 then what they do is they they revolve the entire year in all these different modules they're all in the same class but each year they're doing a station and so they're getting to experience all these different industry sectors in that one class so so that way when they get to high school they're not figuring out what pathway they want to go in. They kind of have an idea. I really liked doing that animation project in junior high. Now I know I want to be in the art pathway in high school. And okay. so that's what we're kind of work, working towards. Even my kids is now. Like my kids are, you know, my youngest ones are in elementary school. And they're do, we're doing career days there. And, you know, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? We're kind of having those talks with them now. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then I'm kind of putting two and two together because at the campus that I teach at Mm -hmm. there is a CTE what I call that person a teacher or a facilitator well well, here's what I know so there's a CTE person who is on our campus uh, I want to say at least twice a week if not more and will facilitate um, like a Skype conference with someone who's teaching that's Nepris dolphins at SeaWorld or something working with dolphins at SeaWorld or um, you know, some other kind of workshop that, that we can sign up for and take our kids to that person, to yes. your person throughout the day. So it, is that person a teacher or facilitator? How, how is that implemented? So that's, you're, you're dis- discussing our career readiness specialist. I can't really think her name's Jessica. I'm not sure. I probably shouldn't say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she, yeah, that's what she does. Is she, re- she goes around to the different junior highs and she sets up, basically career interactions with these kids so they can start learning stuff. Um, and what you described is a, a platform we use called Nepris, and that allows us to do virtual field trips yeah. with kids. So again, when I was in the classroom teaching game design, I was able to do a Nepris field trip with a guy who worked on 
the original like DuckTales video game on Nintendo. And my kids got to sit there and Skype with him and talk to him about you know game design and what he does and how he got into it and and so she does that like on a regular basis they set those up for kids to attend yeah and i think they're awesome because i i you know i'm technologically challenged but when i went our kids were linked up to not only the career person Mm -hmm. but other classrooms and then the person who was the career person talking to us from you know SeaWorld was fielding questions from the different students in the different classes. So I just thought that whole network of bringing those communities together was was awesome as well. Um, So I guess speaking of community, I think it's a good segue and and the the types of kids. It would be a good segue into kind of the mission of uh, both my book, um, Superstar Subbing, Seven Ways to Shine as a Substitute Teacher, and then this podcast, Can Mm -hmm. You Sub Again?, um, which is our passion. I don't want to say my passion. It's your passion. It's mm-hmm. There's people listening who have the passion to be difference makers in the lives of students. Uh, right. In fact, I'd say for both of us, while we did never have that ideal Starbucks conversation where we said, hey, let's, let's go into education, I would say during the years we spent pouring into students at youth groups, camps, uh, beach trips, lock-ins, overnighters, mm-hmm. you know, mentoring. Um, there may have been onlookers around us uh, who thought or even said to us that very thing, you know, you guys would be good for the public school system. So kind of transitioning, uh, you know, here, what would you say, because I know you and I know your heart, what would you say your approach is to viewing students with, professional appropriate you know boundary uh, mm-hmm. driven love and compassion um, kind of outside of the expected professional norms of right. knowing who's on the roll sheet what they need to learn right um, what are some of the privileges of of being that difference maker you have that difference maker heart that heart for people and you're in a you're in a career that that lets you touch these students and impact right. their lives so first I would say education as a whole is the people business. Um, we as educators, our entire clientele is our students and reaching our students. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of us have ever walked into a Starbucks and got cussed out by the manager and then stayed because somebody told us we had to. <laughs> we go there because we go there because it's fun. We go there because we love the environment. And so because we're in the people business, I, as you do, is take that same approach that um, you just you just have to you have to love kids and you have to and, and not even kids like this goes for adult teachers as well. You have to love what you're doing and know that people are important and people are people and everybody deserves a chance. Everybody deserves um, your best because you never know how you're going to impact their lives and so um, the reason why I, I, I do, like I was telling you earlier, I do more subbing now than I did when I was in the classroom. I, I sub fairly regularly and I could look at it as like this is just a job of the day, mm-hmm. but I don't. I still go in there with the same enthusiasm, with the same passion and the same energy because even though I only have them for the day, I have them for that day. And I get to make an impact and you don't know what outcomes that might be. And so 
um, you just, yeah, you have to, I, I, I had a quote and I think it's from Roosevelt and a lot of people have heard it where he says, um, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And because of that, I was always, um, making sure that every student knew that they weren't just a number, that they weren't just put in my class because their counselor told them to. Now, granted, I'm terrible with names and it took me a while to get their names, but I still <laughs> wanted to get down to who the person was. Right. One of the things I used to do is I used to keep, um, I don't know if we're supposed to do this, but I used to keep peanut butter and jelly in my classroom because sometimes I'd have kids come in right after lunch. They didn't eat lunch. They didn't, they didn't even eat breakfast. And if I can't, if they can't focus enough they're, if they're focused on the fact that they're hungry, if they're focused on whatever is going on in their home life, there's no way I'm going to be able to teach them what I have to teach them that day. Right. And so I would, you know, kind of secretly, you know, let them make a sandwich and, and then they would eat it and they'd go back and it would totally change their demeanor and it would change who they were because two things happened. Number one, I met the need, mm-hmm. their basic need of what they had. And the second thing is they realized somebody actually did care about them. And so once those two doors were opened up, then I could pour into them, you know, here's what we need to learn for the day. Here's our competencies we need to cover. Here's, you know, all that stuff that we need to, we need to get into your head. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, why people is, I think have always been important to you and I, and it's fun. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to, I've, I've, I've had subs work, you know, come work for us that, yeah, they're there for the day and, you know, they're cranky about it and they're just getting that paycheck. When then you have the subs that even though it's a lot of work and you're going to end up falling asleep the second you get home, but it's it's a lot of work and it's fun to be there with those kids, to have fun with them, to actually teach them something, um, to just make it engaging, you know, yeah. make it make it make it a great experience for them. Yeah, that that is a great quote. And I think some of those quotes, we um, we hear them and they either become I guess maybe so cliche, we don't use them as much, but um, another one I, I think of as you were talking is people won't always remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Right. And so, um, you know, I know that, that, that yes, we, we're definitely going to teach at the highest caliber and beginning with the end in mind, you know, try to meet those those learning objectives. But if a kid's not glad to see you because you make them feel rotten, right. um, you're really not making a lot of headway there. So um, I think I think it's great what you're doing. Um, again, I think it's great that I know we've definitely zigzagged into where we are. And mm-hmm. I know that we have years in front of us that we may be somewhere totally unexpected from, from where we're at now. But... Um, I guess I'd say, are there, are there any last words of wisdom or, may, or maybe a story of, of kind of interacting with a student um, that's just something that you think might educate um, any substitute out there that's kind of struggling or discouraged or, again, a potential educator that's just kind of lost in the unknown? Um, just a chance for you to kind of speak to the listener and say, this is what I want to tell you. Okay, so... Man, there's so much. I know. <laughs> uh, last things. Well, first thing, I, I have to get this out of because I'm going to get in trouble if I don't say it. I'm a part of a program called CTE Teach. Okay. And so what we do is we basically help districts up and down the state put together some sort of mentoring program for their brand new teachers. 
Um, we have we have our own podcast that you can look up CT Teach. We're on YouTube as well. Um, we have workshops about student engagement, and you know we work really hard to help brand new industry teachers get acclimated to being in the classroom. And so that's kind of like where my heart and my head is is has been the last couple of years is being with brand new teachers and helping teachers get through their first couple of years. Which can be the hardest years. The, exactly. The, the crying years, the driving home wondering what I'm doing years. Yeah. yeah. You know we have and they come to me and they they'll text me like you know what am I supposed to do for my final and I kind of help them walk through it like well, what do you want to do and you know it's, and what do I do this kid you know got in trouble in my class without listening how do I help him listen you know so so that's what we do in CT teach and again it's a great program that again we're up and down the state of California and if you just google us you'll find something um, but as far as any great stories I guess I have two last great stories um, one of them was a, a mistake I made that turned into something great. And the other one was just something great that's always been great. Uh, my first year of teaching, there was this student. His name was Robert. And this is kind of what changed my whole attitude about teaching. Kid came in. Um, I didn't know what IEPs were at the time. I was brand new. The only ROP teacher I'd, on campus. Kid came in. Didn't seem really engaged in what we were doing. Really didn't talk a lot. And... I figured this kid just does not care about this class. Try to engage with him. He's just real slow. Like, yeah, you know, what, whatnot. And a cool kid, you know, dressed really cool. Had, had you know, nice stuff on. And just thought, man, this kid is just not into this class. So I just went home with a chip on my shoulder and just almost wrote him off. Like, I don't, you know, nothing's going to happen with this student. I'm just going to let it go. Came to find out. Um, got to talking to his counselor, got to talking and learning more about him, found out that this student actually had a brain injury when he was about five years old. And so that really stuck with me for the rest of my teaching career because this student that I assumed the worst of turned out to be that he had a learning disability that at the time I wasn't aware of and it totally changed my perspective wow. on who he was as a student. And then once I discovered that about him, like he had delayed processing. Um, when I asked him a question, I thought like, well, how come he's not answering me? I didn't realize that it was taking him time to formulate an answer. Mm. And I'm teaching him like coding and HTML and all that and it's taking him time to, to process it. Right. So in the end, I was able to figure out how to work with the student and get him to the point to where he could put together um, websites and do graphics. And it, it took some time. But once I made that connection and once I knew that about the student, it was a great we had a great relationship and it continued on, you know, the rest of his life while he was in high school. That's awesome. um, and it's just a really neat story. So I'm saying that one to say, you know, don't don't assume the worst of a kid. Maybe try to figure out who they are. And the second one that I'm super proud of is, again, that same first year, I had a student that um, was a TA and graduated high school, went out into the world, became a graphic designer of, of a company and kind of the, the, the media graphics person. And this last summer, we were looking for a new teacher and I was able to contact him and say, hey, are you ever interested in teaching? And he said, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And so I was able to connect with him. And so right now I have the pride of having a former student who is now one of our teachers. That's and awesome. it's such a cool relationship to see. And so I'm saying that not to just 
pat my own back. I, I'm I, say, I, <laughs> saying I, that just to say, like, you never know what's going to foster. You never know what's going to happen to these students. When, when you're teaching them, it seems like they're there for a couple of years or a couple of days. But then once they're out, you never know what, what that's going to turn into. And I think everybody in existence can remember who their favorite teacher was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because they were the greatest math or the greatest biology person in or, the face the of the earth sub. or the greatest sub ever. Right. It was because of who they were in the relationship that they built, you know, together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is all very well said. And I know very well lived out. Mr. McClung, thank you so much for not only being my guest today, but congratulations on all of your success, the work that you do with students, and I look forward to having you back in the future. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation on this subject, or if you would like the links to the websites and YouTube channels Chris mentioned today, be sure to stop by the website canyousubagain.com. You can always find a transcript of the most recent podcast and add your voice to the discussion by visiting the post on the topic or on the site's homepage. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Can You Sub Again, I would totally appreciate it if you'd consider taking the time to leave a quick rating or review on the Apple site. Thanks so much for listening to the Can You Sub Again podcast and be sure to check back again next week.